Hi, I'm Marilyn Dennis, and this is Marilyn Dennis Does a Podcast. This episode, I'll be chatting with Canada's beloved bowtie-clad interior designer and my dear friend, Tommy Smythe. We're going to find out how Tommy has been adjusting to living in isolation. And since we're all spending so much more time at home, we're going to talk about how we can make the most of what we got, how to deal with the flaws that we can't stop noticing and examine what truly makes a house feel like a home. And he is the guy to talk about when it comes to that. So let's talk to Tommy Smythe. Hi, Marilyn. Tommy Smythe. Oh, I miss you. I miss you too. You know, there's so much to talk about. Um, you, you, no, no kidding about noticing the flaws and, oh my God, how can we correct that? But before we do all of that, how are yeah. you dealing with isolation and this quarantine and the pandemic? And tell me. Well, I think, you know, it's, it's a, that's a layered question. You know, I think like everyone, I have good days and bad days. Mm-hmm. Um, your first podcast with the family therapist, is it Joe Rich? That's correct. Yeah. He was amazing. And one thing that he said really resonated with me, and that was uh, in talking about your conduct through this whole thing. And Mm -hmm. really, how do you want to remember how you behaved and how you handled this thing when it's over? Because of course, it's going to be over. We don't know how long it's going to be, but we know it's going to be a long time. And so that's been really sitting with me for a while because, you know, my aunt Liz, who's a writer, called me from Idaho. She was walking in the woods near her home, your beloved Idaho, you know, that I have an aunt who lives Northern Idaho, gorgeous area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, right near Coeur d'Alene. And uh, her husband, Nick, my my uncle, Nick, who's a doctor, is on the front lines in Coeur d'Alene, diagnosing cases and going to the hospital mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she said to me, I wanted to talk to you about when you lived with us in California in the 80s. And I said, yes. And she said, do you remember that that was the very onset of AIDS, the AIDS pandemic? And I said, I do. And she said, you know, I want to remind you how especially equipped you are and your community is in dealing with a global pandemic because of what happened at that time. And she said, you know, I want you to be aware of the similarities in the way that governments and communities and cultures are handling this sort of thing because you and your community are uniquely experienced in being told, if you do this, you will live. And if you don't do this, you won't. And so we're kind of ready for, or at least prepared, I think, mentally for this sort of a challenge, because none of the things that we were being asked to do back in the mid 80s and straight through the 90s and 2000s were things that we wanted to do. So it's very similar to this situation. I don't want to be trapped at home. You know me to be a world traveler. I'm on four planes a month. Um, so, you know, I've been really looking at the past as a guide for me and, and talking a lot to my friends who managed to survive that pandemic, mm-hmm. um, checking in with Casey House, where I volunteer um, on the foundation committee, making sure that they have everything that they need because their population, the clients that we serve at Casey House, which is an HIV AIDS hospice in Toronto, they're uh, among the most vulnerable populations during something like COVID-19. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that's really the way that I'm mentally handling it. Now you were younger. You were younger when that all happened in the eighties. I was in my teens. Yeah, I was just coming of age. So let me ask you: What? So now, learning from that experience, Mm -hmm. how are you applying it now? Like, what are you doing now with the mindset? Really, not jumping to conclusions. You know, when when this happened, uh, when AIDS happened in the 1980s. You know, the initial reports from the news media were that this is something that affects gay populations. 
And so there were all kinds of people out in the world at that time who were business as usual and not thinking it was going to affect them. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because the parallel with COVID-19 is that when it first came about, the press was saying that this is something that affects people with underlying conditions and who are very elderly. Well, those of us who survived the AIDS pandemic, the HIV AIDS pandemic, are now looking at this and going, hang on, you know, what we don't know about this disease and this virus is probably much, much greater than what we do know even now, even a month into, you know, isolation and everyone staying at home, hashtag stay home. So, you know, for me, I've been sort of not jumping to conclusions. I've been really trusting the medical uh, professionals and really reading up from reliable sources as much as I possibly can. And not necessarily, you know, I mean, there's a lot of information that comes from big government that, you know, is the best available information that they have today. Right. That doesn't right. necessarily mean that that's the end game for any of us. That's correct. So, and, that, and living with a frontliner, we talk about it. But we also yeah, Jim would know. Yeah, we discuss it, but we go, but we still don't know yet. And all we know is what is today all about and how we yeah. can, you know, be be all right with that. And we and, have access and we, to the best possible person. You know, like he's right, not yeah. only a medical doctor, but he's also ex-military. Yeah. So yeah. We're at war with a disease right. and you're are, living with ex-military doctor. Okay. Believe, believe you me, it is. Now, before, I mean, that's so true, but it, an interesting comparison that you make that because some of us have lived through some some tough times. I know on the Chum Morning Show today, something very funny happened um, mm -hmm. and with my producer, Caitlin Green. And I just remember she she broke out in laughter and couldn't stop. And, you know, and because you're tired and you, you know, fatigued and whatever. And I said, oh my gosh, I remember it. This is going way back now. Talk about the 80s. When Mount St. Helens blew, I oh, was yeah. in the middle of it. I was in the yeah. middle of it in Idaho, getting back yeah. to Idaho. And I just, a friend of mine, we were, we were the only two really running the station in this little town of Moscow, Idaho, and how you just, you, you remember how you were feeling, navigating this, this has never happened before, um, yeah. living the real moments. And also we did what you're just saying is that each day comes new information. We don't yeah. know when this is going to end, but it will end. Now, That's right. prior, to, prior to this pandemic. Yeah you had changed your life a little bit as far as your career was concerned. You want to tell us about that? So yeah, just sort of right before this, like in January, I had made after, you know, a couple of months of, of discussions and real sort of conversations and heart to heart uh, uh, sessions decided to leave Sarah Richardson design as my design home base. Cause you know, my career has many tentacles. It's sort of, there's a design practice that I do and have done for 19 years with Sarah and yes. the team there. And then there's my media career and things that I do with you out in the world. So uh, I made the decision to leave the nest, so to speak, basically in anticipation of my 50th birthday, which is this summer in July. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, if I'm ever going to hang a shingle, uh, maybe it's now or never. And so why not take the plunge? So with Sarah's support, I left Sarah Richardson Design. I secured the space beneath, I have a two floor apartment in a Victorian townhouse downtown. And the main floor of that building um, was unoccupied and unrenovated. So I grabbed it, rented Perfect. it, renovated it with a couple yeah. of uh, colleagues. And, you know, and then, as they say, the shit hit the fan. <laughs> so here I sit. Yeah, here right. I sit in my empty office, uh, waiting for people to arrive and trying to limp along with a couple of projects that were 
begun before, just before the pandemic. So, so how is it working from home right now? I mean, how are, how, like, you know, that's different from you as we just discussed, but that's, that's a different kind of dynamic for you. Hmm? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You know, I've been really looking forward to being able to come downstairs to this space and work with my team um, and a new team of people and some old friends from years past. But for me, you know, Mayor, we, you and I really don't have, you know, so much of a home base routine. You know, we're, we're in lots of different places. You've got an office for mm-hmm. your radio stuff, a production office, a home mm-hmm. office. Mm-hmm. And I'm no different. You know, I, my life is, you know, I'm very much Tommy at large. I'm always out in the world. And so my office is a hotel room or it's the backseat of a car or please no backseat of the car jokes. Or it's, you know, my living room or, you know, wherever I happen to find myself. So I'm adaptable in that way. And I've been adapting. Um, my commute is only one flight of stairs. Me too. Nice. I love. But it's yeah. a commute. You know, yeah. I know that you're in your basement right now because I can see you. We're doing this on a video thing, yeah. recording for sound. Um, and I've been in that basement for movie nights. So I know that, you know, it's, it's really helpful to have a commute. Not everybody has that. So I understand no, that I'm very no. privileged in that way and very lucky that the office mm-hmm. space that I did secure before the pandemic was downstairs. That's okay, so things to look forward to, because a girlfriend of mine called who's always an optimist. She said, I know yeah. things are really bad. I know that. I know we're living through this, but there's going to be a recalibration and there's got to be a little bit that we have time to think about what we're doing it's a sense of a little bit of adventure of what's to come. If you've never yeah. really liked what you do or you've mm-hmm. decided to change like you did your, your dynamic at work, this is going to be it. Now, yeah. for those of us spending a, a lot of time at home, which all of us are, mm-hmm. uh, we could make some changes. And I want to talk to you about advice on managing ideas and projects because some things we don't have access to. Yeah. So how, where do you begin on that one? Because that's what you do for a living. Where, where do we it go? Is. For, for us as the mere human beings that are living in this house that we <laughs> thought we really liked, but we see some problems. Tell well, us. Well, we're all human beings. I mean, it's an interesting thing that I've been sort of a conversation I've been having with myself, which is, you know, are we asking our homes to do more for us now than they ever have? Or are we just noticing, you know, what our houses normally do for ourselves, for us um, at all times, and really actually just being more hyper-focused on what those things are. I mean, your home has always meant to be a place of retreat, a place of safety, a place of comfort, hopefully beauty, you know, a nourishing place uh, of rest and, and comfort. But now it's being, you know, so much more the focus of our, of our day-to-day lives. We're not out in the world and coming back to it in the way right. that we did before. So I think we're noticing we're things it. that we never We're in it. Yeah, things that are not working. So, like, there's some functionary things that were not working. I did a couple of retooling of some shelves. Very proud of myself. I felt I got something done. But there's some things, now that you're home, Tommy, that aren't Mm -hmm. working. So what do you do? What do you do with that knowledge? Well, I mean, if it's a renovation thing, you know, I have already started to work with a couple of clients on projects which will obviously not have physical building elements commencing until uh-huh. after COVID-19 is over and we get the all clear uh, or we get some people back to work in that sense. But the thing about big projects, I can sort of split it into two things, big projects yeah. and small projects. Big you can do when this is over and small things, and you, but you can plan them. And then small things that you can do now in the immediate. 
the big stuff, you know, make a list of stuff that, that is deficient about the house that really needs addressing. You know, mm -hmm. like if there's, a, you know, a leak in the basement, if the kitchen needs a couple of things, if you need new counters, if you've got a toilet that, uh, you know, has the handle that flicks and, and you need to replace that toilet. These are mm -hmm. things that we're noticing more and not putting off as much because they're just so in your face every day. Right. Um, and, though, and then, of course, there are smaller things that you can look at that are more immediate. But those big projects, you know, most design professionals, well, I should say all design professionals are doing what everyone else in every industry is doing right now, which is pivoting. And we're just trying to figure out a way to serve the needs of our clients in ways that we hadn't before. So, mm -hmm. you know, in the same way that you can have a Zoom meeting with your, your office, we can do the same thing. And a lot of stuff, you know, Mayor, I've been working remotely on projects for many, many years, for decades. I've worked in Boston and Connecticut and in New York City and in London, England, and done projects in Vancouver and in Prince Edward Island and Nova Scotia. So, you know, working remotely is something that most design professionals are very well versed in doing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And for those big projects, you can start planning them now with design professionals, right. you know, over the internet. Right. Hey, I got to tell you something. One of the things that I love that you always say is be present in your home. This is the time to be yeah. very present. Yeah, the leaky, the this or whatever. But are you enjoying the space that you're in? And I love yeah. that you're saying, look at the stuff, look at what you don't like. You don't know why it's working for you. Hire somebody like Tommy Smythe, for example, and say, here's the room, here's Zoom, here's the room, and, mm -hmm. and let's start working <laughs> on it. And also, how about this? How about Pinterest and Instagram and all those wonderful places that we can physically and uh, uh, you know have like eye candy to see what we would like? I'm going, you know, I look at like I look at your space right now, and I have uh, you know this new office that you have, um, and uh, you know. I, I look at that and I go, okay, you made that corner look great. Like if you can make one corner Thank look you. great, that yeah. tells you everything that you need to know. So be present in your home. Yeah. And then the, the, my, my, other, my other thing too on this whole statement is how do you find the right person that fits you as far as decor is just, you know, decided? Budget is a big factor, but taste is the, the big one. Yeah, I think finding, you know, inspiration in places like, House and Pinterest and Instagram is really important in terms of how we connect now with design professionals. And there are all kinds of online stories about the best design, you know, websites and the best design Instagram accounts. Finding a simpatico fit in that world is great. I mean, we always say about Instagram, you can go around the world before breakfast. And at this time when we can't physically get out in the world, experiences like that via professionals who live in other places, people whose mm -hmm. lives are built around sharing beauty and architecture and art and culture become even more important. You know, there was, I remember hearkening back again to, you know, the 80s and the AIDS pandemic. I remember um, when Fran Leibovitz did that, there was a great Martin Scorsese documentary on Fran Leibovitz. Mm -hmm. um, and she was talking about how Everybody talked about, you know, in the 80s when all the artists died, you know, the ballet dancers and, yes. the, and the painters and all of the people in arts and culture because so much, so many of them were gay men. Mm -hmm. She said, you know, the, the other really big thing that we lost were the critics, you know, because oh. they also passed away. And right. so when you look at, when you look at, at, at culture, you know, in crisis, culture becomes even more important than it ever was. People who don't normally spend three hours a day looking at art 
and architecture and design on Instagram now are doing that because mm -hmm. they have the time to do it. And I think that's a really happy silver lining to all of this is that people are realizing how important beauty is. Yeah. I love the fact that there's virtual uh, museum tours now oh, and they're you know, they're asking, they're asking for some support too. You know, if you can help uh, make a donation, I love that part of it too. Yeah. So one of the easiest things that I have learned from uh, living in, you know, a room or an apartment or what have you, I get tired of the way it looks. And yeah. someone told me a long time ago, all right, if you physically can, mm -hmm. if you physically can, you take away everything from that room. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you can, I can't move the bed, but let's just say, take it there and then only add things that you really like. Yes, that's good advice. That's great that's or, advice. Or take something from the living room and use it as a side table. Get, give me a little bit more. Give people that are living in this podcast, without having to buy anything, what's a way to redo your room without buying anything? There are so many ways to do it. I mean, you know, even in this house, from previous you know, work that was done and changes that were made, I've got old cans of paint downstairs in the basement. Yeah. And everybody, most people in the garage or in the basement have tools, decorating tools that they can pull out. So there's those project elements, but then there's also things that are really just about moving stuff around. As you say, you know, you could take every piece of art down and every mirror off every wall in the house and make a rule that you're only going to put it where it's never been before. Ah. And years and years ago, one of my, my first mentors in design was Yusuf Hasbani. Uh, known as the master of the mix and one of the darlings of House and Home magazine for decades, one of the most talented interior designers Canada's ever produced. He was, uh, he presided over a shop called L'Atelier and I was a shop assistant there. And every single week at the end of the week, he used to do what we would call a house move. And it meant that every single thing in the shop, with the exception of maybe one or two things that might have weighed really a ton or had to be installed by a professional stonemason or something, would yes. go to a different spot. And <gasps> People who came every single Saturday, we had the ladies of Rosedale that would come every single Saturday and walk through the shop and they would notice something that had been there for three months for the first time. And they would say things like, Yusuf, how come you haven't shown me, how come you didn't call me and tell me you got this armoire? And he would say, oh, I'm so sorry, Mrs. So-and-so, um, you know, next time I'll remember to do that. Meanwhile, it had been sitting there for three months. Wow. And so there, there was a new appreciation. And when you, when you do that, you see things with different eyes. Mm -hmm. And designers have been doing this for a long time. Like when you're pulling a room together, if you get stuck with something and something's not working, leave the room and then walk back into it a few minutes later or an hour later. Mm -hmm. And you will see it with a refreshed mind and with a cleansed palate. So those are things that you can easily do. You know, moving furniture around is a good thing to do anyway. But yes. when we're having to be at home for months at a time or weeks at a time, it's really almost like prescriptive. Like you should really actually do it. One of the things you taught me to do is, um, you know, as we, if you if you do travel, you get that great opportunity uh, to collect a book from when you were at a museum and and mm -hmm. uh, you know that sort of thing. Or just take the books that you already have, take the covers off the book if they're paper covers, and mm -hmm. stack them and put them yeah. somewhere, and they could be used as what I'm doing right now, Tommy. Is I've got a couple <laughs> of books that are actually on this uh, the the a stand where my iPhone is, but yeah. um, just kind of a repurposing of things. And I think that's how we're going to be for a while too. Just living simply, um, right? And 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 living with the stuff that we have, and and then yeah. very very carefully, if we need to purchase something new, we will. I think the biggest purchase that's going to be made for houses 
You ready for my guess? Yeah. A new couch. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're getting a lot of wear and tear these days. And, yeah. you, know, you know, every sofa has a lifespan. You shouldn't keep a sofa, you know, for 30 years. No, um, you should. But people do. You know that. Yeah, right? they do. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. 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 But it's Which definitely are- good to look at things like that. That You bring up a good point, Mary. You, you, you should really look at things that need replenishing and replacement. Yeah. And, you know, depending on your means and depending on your circumstances, you know, a lot of people I want to highlight have lost work in this yes. pandemic. Yeah. And not yeah. everybody has disposable money to start ordering things and doing things now. They but do not. there is nothing to prevent yeah. you from dreaming about it. There's nothing to prevent anyone no matter what their abilities are financially to plan for mm-hmm. a future where there will be, you know, prosperity and recovery mm-hmm. and where mm-hmm. we will have money and cash flow again. Mm-hmm. And it'll be good to have a plan in place when that happens. Cause then you'll have your list. You'll say, you know what? The well is filling up. I think it's time for that new sofa. Well, I, I will say this too. Um, one of the most fun shoots that you and I ever did was to go to that antique market near Aberfoyle. Oh yeah. That was good fun. We had hot dogs. That was before I was vegan. <laughs> <laughs> but what I noticed are, are people are always looking at antiques and heirlooms. And one day those flea markets and those big antique markets will open again. So yeah. let's just take a look at that for a moment. Just it, like We'll just kind of pretend we're there. Um, I, notice, I notice a lot of houses now where they used to remove these. Tell me if this is true. That we we're talking about... Um, uh, I'm trying to talk about like a closet. What am I talking about? An armoire. Are those yes. coming back? And if you have one, they never went away. Mm-hmm. But are we adding, do you think with this um, time that we're going through, we're putting back or we want to put back some heirloom or antique uh, to remind us of the way things were a little bit? Do you think that's true? I think it's probably true that nostalgia has become something that people are, you know, a little more aware of. Um, in the context of what's happening right now, you know, mm-hmm. there, there are two things that happen during a crisis like this. You know, you have the look toward the past um, and a desire to go back to it. But then coupled with that, you also have what inevitably happens with cultures that go through this sort of interruption or correction. Mm-hmm. And that is the look toward a new creation of what normal should be. So going back to normal the way that it was isn't necessarily what any of us want. Um, What I've been thinking a lot about is in my design practice, what are some things that I can do to be better at practicing things like um, ecology and sustainability? Ah, And, you know, when you talk about the, this particular thing that we're facing right now, you know, it went from animals from an an animal biting another animal to a person being in contact with that animal, whether it's being bitten by it or eating it. Mm-hmm. So the interaction that we have in our world with the animal world is, you know, there are signals that we're receiving right now at this time that are, you know, telling us that we should be re-examining that and looking at ways to live our lives on this planet with the other occupants of this planet, non-human occupants, uh, in a way that is more meaningful. So those are the kinds of things that I'm thinking about applying to my design practice. Uh, a mutual friend of ours, has asked me to help her out with her Toronto Keteter. I'm talking about Jan Arden. Mm-hmm. She is also vegan like me. Mm-hmm. And we're looking at purchasing things and sourcing things and looking for things for her home away from home in Toronto mm-hmm. that are completely vegan. 
So locally sourced things, some of them are made overseas, but sourced from local resources. Our conversations, hers and mine, during this pandemic have massively informed what we would like to do when we get the all clear and the planning that we're making between now and the all clear for that project. So that's been adding a lot of meaning to my day-to-day design life because I'm looking at things in a different way. And my friend is uh, helping me to do that too. That's so cool. That's cool because there's meaning to what you're purchasing. And, you know, Jan is uh, the the truest Canadian that I I know. She'd like to to spend money on local and what is good for the uh, ecology. I I wouldn't even, I won't even begin to, well, I'm going to say this anyway, because we're friends, but you know, there, there are things that are in and out, right? I mean, we, I mean, I mean, you're kind about everything, but what truly Tommy, if you're at the house and what, what do you not want people to do in their house as far as design is concerned? What do you want them that like for me, feature walls are not my thing. It looks like you ran out of wallpaper or paint. That's that's I'm with you. And that came, that came back, that goes way back to the yeah. design grand dame, Ray Stables, who said yes. to me, don't you ever, ever do that, MD. Yeah. And so I never have. So what's, what's some things that, just because if we can, like talk about the do's and the don'ts, what, what's out, what's in? Okay, well, first of all, Ray Stables yelled that information at me as well back in okay. the day. Um, but I've always agreed that the future wall can, can in the wrong hands, look a little bit sophomoric. Um, so here's the thing, what we're looking at now in terms of our new normal and the way that we design our homes after COVID-19 and after isolation is over, Mm -hmm. I think things are going to be a little more different. I think the pendulum is going to swing a little further toward things that are a little bit easier on the eye, softer on the palate a little bit less bold in terms of their gestures, because these are the kinds of things that you want to visit, but maybe don't want to live there. So if you've painted your dining room peacock blue, and you've actually been having every single meal in that dining room three times a day for (laughs) three months, Mm -hmm. you're probably starting to feel a little sick to death of peacock Mm -hmm. blue. Mm -hmm. So I think whites and neutrals and those kinds of backdrops are going to become a little more you know, palatable for people moving forward. That's a guess. I mean, we don't know what the trends are. We don't be. know, but, but I think that's a good guess because it's also keeping it simple. So the stuff mm-hmm. that you already have, you can change it up with any accessories that you have. And I know that's a pretty simple talk, but I think once you live in that color, not just visiting it every Sunday, you're absolutely yeah. What's another one? Well, I've always said that those kinds of things are really for very wealthy people who can afford to redecorate con- constantly and continuously. But paint is cheap, you know. It is, but you know, not if you want to have it done professionally and and have high okay. gloss and all those things that those bold rooms tend to have. Okay. Um, I do think that you know there's going to be you know a movement towards you know a more kind of collected look, something that is more in my practice. I talk a lot about authenticity. Um, mm-hmm. The homes that I create for clients don't all look the same, you know, because they're really informed by the people who live in them. And people have certain things that they want to do and don't want to do. And getting to know your client is really important in that sense. Uh, So I think there's going to be a move toward spaces that are less store-bought looking, um, which is interesting because that's almost indirect for me personally, that's almost indirect contradiction with this whole point and click, you know, buy it on the internet thing. But here we are being forced to buy things on the internet. Mm -hmm. But there are websites like Cherish and First Dibs 
um, where you can buy vintage and antique furnishings online as well, completely with great photographs, details, measurements, all the things that you would need that you would apply to purchasing something from a big box store or a big furniture chain. So I think getting the personality of the homeowner into the home is going to be a big movement moving forward. We already saw a little bit of that leading into this with that sort of like, you know, grandma, hipster, kinfolk, down home kind of thing. That's right. Because we talked about it on the show. It was kind of mm-hmm. kind of a glamour kind of a thing. Like grand that's... millennial, they call it. What now? A grand millennial. What is that again? It's it's combination of millennial and grandma. I know. So what, what did that look like though? It was kind of like, what kind of it's cross-stitched fabrics and uh, wallpapers and sofa fabrics. It's chintz and really homey kind of like antique China, you know, mm-hmm. teacups and things like that. Mm-hmm. Rituals I think are important. You know, I, years ago, I, not that many years ago, actually a few years ago, I met Barbara Berry, the great American designer oh, yeah. uh, She's on Fogo fantastic. Island. Mm-hmm. And Barbara and I had dinner together and she did a small lecture for the people that were there when I was there. And she talked about a practice that she does every single day in her office. She goes into her office and she spends a good deal of time, like maybe an hour, you know, anywhere from 40 minutes to an hour, arranging the things in her office on her desk. It's almost a meditation for her. Oh, so really? she has all these objects at hand and she rearranges them and makes a display and puts places beautiful objects in her orbit, in her physical orbit, mm-hmm. before she actually gets down to the work of her day-to-day grind. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that could be um, for her actually and her staff, that sometimes even involves um, an Asian tea ceremony and really getting yourself in the mood. So I think there's going to be a lot more in terms of looking at the five senses when we're addressing our home environments and really being much more holistic about things. Where's our music coming from? Do we have, you know, something tasty nearby? Uh, What do we see? What do we touch? All of those things are going to be really important because we've spent so much time really examining what works and what doesn't, you know, during isolation. That's so true. Tommy, where can we follow you and find you? I am, uh, I'm Tommy at tommysmythe.com. That's my, uh, how you can reach me. And I'm Tommy Smythe on Instagram, all one word. Um, and I'm going to be launching a website soon. I don't know how soon because everything is slower with COVID-19, but, um, course, yeah. so I have tommysmythe.com is, uh, secure and ready to go. So I'm out there and I'm in here all at the same time there. Well, it's so good to see your face. Thanks for talking with me today on Marilyn Dennis Does a Podcast. Good to see your face. Good to hear your design ideas. And uh, listen, good luck with that new business of yours. You're going to just, I mean, it's going to be awesome. Thank you. Love to you and love to Jim. Thank you. You too. You and Patrick too. Bye, Tommy. Marilyn Dennis Does a Podcast. New episodes every week. You can download or subscribe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.